Good morning, everyone. Uh, today's Bible reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. If you have the big print Bible, it's on page 1824. The small one, someone can yell it out. 817. Thank you. Thanks, Abby. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being unified, united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. In the large print, it's on page 1796. In the small print, it's page 803. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. <coughs> Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. It's now autumn. It's incredible, isn't it? Summer is gone. 
What a summer. Let me pray. Father, we do pray that you will give us comfort this morning as we look into your word, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Australians don't like know-alls or people with tickets on themselves. And that causes us a problem, for if a non-Christian were to say to us, are you sure that you're going to go to heaven? And you said yes, their immediate thinking was, boy, haven't they got tickets on themselves? Because they work from a different parameter to us. They work from the view that you get to heaven by being good, by doing good things. You know, they often sum it up in words like, she's such a nice person. She must surely go to heaven. Or the fireys will go to heaven. Look at all the good things the fireys have been doing for people. But we know that one gets through to heaven through a personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And so we actually get caught in a bind because we know, and we'll look at what we actually do know in a minute, we know of the certainty of salvation Yet we've got people speaking to us and thinking, how can they be sure? They, they must think they're really good. So how do we deal with that sort of issue and hang on to the things that we actually believe in? And Paul starts out because, as we know, what had been taking place is the people had, some people had come into the, into the congregation with their letter of recommendation. I got a letter of recommendation during the week from the Archbishop. It was my licence to be the acting rector. <laughs> a little bit late, but <laughs> I was going to bring it along and show it to you. But <laughs> Yes, sometimes they catch up with us. <laughs> so... They came in with letters of recommendation. Listen to these people because they're really good and they know about Jesus but they also know about rules that you've got to keep. And Paul is saying no because the minute you bring rules in you become uncertain of your salvation for one thing. Secondly what happens is once you bring in a rule then Christ's work on the cross is not sufficient for salvation. If you have Jesus' death on the cross, plus coming to church, or plus being a good person, or plus going to Mecca, where you can't go actually now because of the virus, then you become uncertain of your salvation because you don't know if you've not done enough good things. So what does Paul say to us here? He gives us, in three verses, certainty for our salvation, but also brings before us a need for humility. For he says this in verse 1, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. First of all, he says, we know, and it is certainty. And the word actually has a little bit of a connotation of, you might have got this by a vision. 
So what's the background to that? Well, how did Paul know that Jesus was in heaven? He saw him on the Damascus Road. He had that vision. Jesus revealed himself that he had gone back to heaven. The apostles saw him rise from the uh, saw him after he rose from the dead and saw him go to heaven. And Paul saw him while he was in heaven. And so he can say this, for we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, and we know that it will. He, he speaks about a tent. Why does he speak about a tent? Well, maybe it was because he was a tent maker. Maybe it was because tents belonged to people who were nomadic or pilgrims, which place gives us a little bit of a jab, doesn't it, to us? It reminds us that we are pilgrims here. But I think that he's actually making a contrast. If you think of a tent, it's transient, temporary, insecure, fragile, and decays in the end. It's made by people. But Paul says to us, we who know the Lord Jesus have a building, an eternal house. It's imperishable, glorious. It doesn't die, diminish or decay. So he makes a contrast there and he gives us assurance of what is happening that God has determined. He has built for us a house in heaven. He's built it by sending God, by sending Jesus, who died, rose again from the dead and has gone back to heaven. And then Paul sets out what is actually we all know about. Well, some of us here are probably a little too young, but it says this, Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be, sw- may be swallowed up by life. In other words, we're being reminded that our bodies just aren't what they used to be. Well, some of us, some are going to be lucky. They're going towards being getting bigger and stronger. But some of us are going the other way. A lady said to me uh, yesterday that her four-year-old grandson said to her, Nanny, show me your muscles. So she put her arms up like this and there was a little bit of a, shall we say, well, we won't say, and he said to her, Nanny, they're the wrong side up. We know what it's like. So, we know something and we look towards it and that'll come in a moment. But also, we actually have something at the present time which helps us hang on to these things. Verse 5 says to Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose, 
Now here is something important for us. What has God made us for? It is made us to know him and to be in heaven with him. That's what he says to us for this very purpose. And this God has done something which helps us. He says, who has given us the spirit as a deposit. So God's Holy Spirit works in our lives so that when we read the word of God, we say, uh-huh, yes, that's true. Yes, that's right. Just as a credit, as hotels now swipe your credit card in case you abscond, they want to guarantee that you won't. We are fortunate in that God has not left us alone. His Holy Spirit is in each one of us. And we know that he loves us and cares for us. And then Paul says two other things that ought to remind us again of the fact that heaven is our home. And that, for Paul, he understood it clearly. Verse 6 and 8 says this, Therefore, we are always confident, and then he uses the word again, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. While we live on this earth, we are not yet with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 8, we are confident, Paul says. In other words, it's not a matter of, well, I hope that this will happen, like I hope it will rain, or I wish this will happen. No, it's said in concrete. I say and would and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. It isn't always easy, is it? For Paul says this in verse, nine, verse 8, or 7, sorry, for we live by faith and not by sight. Well, we cannot see heaven, can we? We can't see Jesus. And yet we hang on to it. We, as It sums it up perfectly for us. We live by faith. We live by trust in God and the Lord Jesus. He sent Jesus. Jesus lived, died and rose again. We believe the word of God and we trust in it. And until he comes again or we go home to heaven... We have to keep focusing our eyes upon that fact. And so it says to us in these words, knowing that, being certain of that, then we find out why we do what we do. You know, non-Christians will say, well, they go to church or they forgive people. No, how could, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, how could that mother and father say they forgive that driver of the car who killed the four children? Forgiveness comes from God because God has worked in us to be able to forgive because Christ has forgiven. And so... Paul says this, so we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at, at home, in the body, or away from the, the Lord. 
on Friday, I went and visited a friend of mine who I've known for nearly 50 years. I taught school with him. He was also a sportsman. He was, in his younger days, six foot four and about 17 stone, so just like me. (laughs) I did occasionally look up to him. He now has Parkinson's disease. He can't do very much at all. He sits in a chair most of the time. And I talked with him about it. And I reminded him and I said, John, it's not doing, it's being. We can't do as much as we once used to. And you'll just have to bear that in mind. I didn't say it necessarily in those words. But that was the message, and he knew it. He runs a small Bible study. He still does a few administrative things for his church. But he had been a real leader in his church. He'd been a beach mission leader and done lots of things like that. But now he can't. So what is his aim? What is the aim of all of us? Well, Paul tells us. So we make it our goal to please him. And then he sums it up in these last, the last verse. He says to us, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us, must, each of us may receive what is due for us, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In the end, there is a judgment. The world may not think so, but there is. And there are two judgments. The first one is in regards to our salvation. When we die, God will say to us, what did you believe about the Lord Jesus? And if you say, I believe he died on the cross for me, for the forgiveness of my sins, and I trust solely in him, he says, come in. And then there is another one with the second coming of Christ, which is, well, how did you actually live for Jesus? And some of us will get a bigger pup tent than others. That's what Paul is on about there. He's saying it does matter how we actually live. And, of course, that brings us back to the difficulty we have when people talk to us. We know why we do what we do. We do it because of, out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, out of thankfulness, and because we have a relationship with him. But the world doesn't see it that way. And so we have this problem in trying to share the gospel with them. They think we're being proud because we're saying we're sure of our salvation. So how do we deal with that? One of the ways forward, I think, is to be able to say to them, well, we all have our motives for what we do. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do that for your spouse? Because you love them. 
not because of rules. And so you could say to people, yes, I do go to church. Yes, I try to be compassionate. Yes, I try to be forgiving. But I do it because of what God has done for me. And secondly, you can turn it the other way. If they say, well, you know, they might not, they won't say it, they're too polite, but they might think it, well, they've got tickets on themselves. You can turn it around and say, let me share with you how you can be certain of going to heaven. Nothing probably say, oh no, 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 that can't be true. But if you share them with them, what God has done in your life, how you came to a faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, and say, I can be sure because of what Jesus has done for me, not because of what I'm doing for Jesus. And it turns it around and opens up the opportunity for conversation with them. You see, one of the things of pleasing him is not to back off from the truths of the Bible. We can be tempted to do that. But we must please him by holding to the truths of the scriptures. And as we do that, we are reminded again ourselves of what God has done for us. So friends, go from here, knowing full well that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, and there's no doubt about it, it will be one day, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the certainty that Paul had in regards to his salvation. And I ask that we might all grow in our own certainty, not in arrogance or in a, proud, in a, in a way in which regards to pride, but more in regards to humility, that we might humbly be thankful for what you have done for us in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.